Serious Talk on KTNF AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Good morning to all of you joining us locally by radio and streaming online. We appreciate you tuning in. Today is Sunday, April 29th, 2018, and I'm your host, Hertzy Hertz. I'm joined in studio with Maddie Love and Scott Lohman, and on Skype, our special guest, Callie Wright from the Gatheist Manifesto. Today, we're going to talk about Star Trek. Star Trek premiered on, in September of 1966 with a three-year run for its first portion. This futuristic universe was set in space, exploring the universe. It's also tackled a lot of issues consider, considered too tr- controversial for normal TV. And it had a suspicious lack of religion. So today, we're going to talk about Star Trek and its effects on our lives and the culture itself. This is an open conversation, and we welcome and encourage listener interaction with your phone calls to 952-946-6205, your emails to radio at mnatheist.org, or tweet us at at Atheist Talk. The phone number is only available when we are live, but you can always email or tweet whether we're live or you're listening to the podcast. Maddie, Scott, Kelly, welcome to Atheist Talk. Hello, hello. 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 So, Star Trek... The next generation. Well, okay, actually, just Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> yep. We have to go back to that. We have to. We have to go back to all of them. Yep. All right. So, first, let's just go through the iterations. So, you have Star Trek: The Original Series. Yep. You have the Next Generation. Actually, you missed Star Trek: The Animated Series. I did miss Star Trek: The Animated Series. Yep. And then <sighs> we got to. Come- We're already screwing things up. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well, that's why I'm here. <laughs> uh, then, then, then the first couple of of the original series movies. Yes. Then and we, then, yep, Next Generation came out in 1987. I was four. <laughs> yep. And then Deep Space Nine came out in 93. Yep. Then Voyager, it was Voyager. in 95. And then Enterprise in 2000. And now Star Trek Discovery in uh, 2017. Those are the series. And then there's um, the J.J. Abrams movies, which uh, are the, the Kelvin universe. And those came out in the uh, first one in 2009. On that, and then we're two years after that, and at this point, there's talk of two different new Star Trek movies: one with the the Abrams cast, and another one uh, currently in talks. <laughs> so yeah, Star Trek is alive and well at the ripe old age of 52, <laughs> or coming up in 52. It'll be 52 in uh, in September if you go by air date. I was going to say that actually brings up an interesting question then, because would then would then the no, no, I don't think it's on longer than Doctor Who. Okay. Nope, Doctor Who, Doctor Who has it by... Um, Three years, I think. Nope, 63 is when Doctor Who pre- premiered. Yeah, and this one came out in 66. 66. The three years difference. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see here. Let's start with which of these is you guys' favorite series? Callie, do you want to start? Oh, I'm going to get murdered. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> You're going to say Enterprise, aren't you? No, I was going to say, I think I have an idea. I think I have an idea which one is your favorite. Who the hell do you think I am? Oh, my gosh. Nobody says Enterprise. Um, uh, No, DS9 is my favorite. That's what I thought you were going to say. You're not going to get murdered. And, okay, okay. Well, so, so it... It, it, it's not as unpopular an opinion as I thought Mm-mm. to have DS9 as a favorite. I was kind of surprised because, I mean, like the default is everybody's like, oh, original series or next gen or like who's the best captain, Kirk or Picard? And like my favorite way of answering that question, like, OK, Kirk, Picard, Kirk, Picard, Cisco. Actually, yeah. Cisco yeah. is yeah. the answer to that question. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah. B- by far, DS9 is my favorite. Next gen is like the closest to my heart because it's the one that I got into Star Trek on and kind of grew up with. Yeah. And 
I grew up without a dad, so Captain Picard was very much a father figure for me. But if I'm looking at what stories I think are the best, the best social commentary, the best of what I what Star Trek is to me, then I think I think DS9 is is hands down the best of them. Awesome. And oh, oh, definitely on that. I don't let anybody nail me down. <laughs> Period. I I like all Star Trek, and I will even def- I will defend section of Enterprise as well as even Star Trek Nemesis. So um, that's that, that's that is how hardcore I am. I mean, I can easily just throw something in. The nice thing about Netflix is if I don't have enough time to watch a full hour or something, they have the animated series on Netflix, so I can go in and watch the anime. Uh, tw- twenty two minutes. It's wonderful. Has the um, it was the, uh, the only Star Trek that won the Peabody Award, which uh, for for really good uh, tel- television on that is the animated series, and the episode was written by a Native American and talks about gods. Hmm. Interesting. We'll come back. We'll put a pin on that. Yeah, Maddie. Yeah. Do you I, have- I I like not love Enterprise, and and I actually enjoy uh, all of the next gen movies. Like it, it's cool to say yeah. like, oh, First Contact was good, Generations was okay, but Nemesis and Insurrection were terrible. And no, like the, I, I think Nemesis and Insurrection were great Star Trek episodes. Mm-hmm. Maybe not yep. great movies, but I really yep. I still really like watching them. Oh, yeah. I liked. I actually liked uh, Insurrection. Admittedly, I couldn't do. I couldn't watch Nemesis because the the. the the idea with some of the stuff they're doing, I was like, I feel like this is jumping a bit of a shark. Yeah, but I love Tom Hardy in that movie. Yeah, he Tom Hardy right? is a lot of fun to watch in that. Yeah, so. he is. He just he's he's gorgeous. Uh, like acting ability. I mean, he's a, a pleasant to look at too. But like he is, his acting is just so beautiful in that. Yeah, because right, he's right, good. Go and especially and watch go watch him in um, Peaky Blinders. All right, Maddie, do you have a favorite series? I, I you know, I, I'm boring. The Next Generation, because like I'm old enough that I could have seen at least start the original Star Trek in syndication. Because I was born in '77, but I didn't really first get into Star Trek until I was watching The Next Generation. So I think that will always. And my favorite favorite episode, like in there, like when I when I saw The Measure of a Man, oh, that was like yeah. that like like sealed. It's like, yep, I love the show. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so Kelly, actually, I'm very similar to you, um, where next gen is the one that's closest to my heart. Cause that was the one that literally, that was the first time dad was like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh, sit down and watch this thing. And I was like, okay, I'm bored. I'm bored. And Oh my gosh, it's a giant jellyfish in space. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I was four. So you know, it was a little, right. it took a little to get into it. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but admittedly, if my, my absolute favorite, I love Janeway. So Voyager really – also, I was – a lot of when I watched Voyager, I was in a very odd place. I was at an Assembly of God college. And so that was my, one of my escapes was at 2 in the morning. They were showing Voyager, and I was like, please, I need this. Nope. <laughs> yeah, that's legit. I, I don't have anything – I mean, I, I think Voyager was probably the most inconsistent of the series. But I lo- I mean, I still love it, and I still love Janeway as a character. Oh, oh her character is great fun. Um there are a couple of the episodes where basically she she takes charge. I think it's macro macrocism is where the the giant spore things have taken over Voyager. But she oh, had the gotten, macrovirus. Yeah, yeah, the macrovirus. But she had gotten in trouble with doing negotiations with these aliens because they do hand gestures at the same time, and the putting <laughs> the hands right. on the hips is apparently the equivalent <laughs> of something really bad in this culture, and it caused a bit of a schism for a while. It, it, that. I just love because that's her entire approach is like, fine, you guys are, you know, I, she was the tough captain. She was the one that says, I'll ask nice first and then after that I'm punching. So that's what I liked about Janeway. And I think that Janeway gets 
<clears throat> excuse me, I think Janeway gets a lot of, of flack that I don't think she really deserves, which is, it's always confusing to me because I'm like, no, she was a good captain. She kept oh, yeah. her, she was in the middle of nowhere with n- literally nothing to fall back on. She couldn't t- court martial somebody really. So, I mean, holding the crew together like that is pretty awesome. Uh, well, I've heard people argue that Janeway is somewhat of a monster because of Tuvix. Like oh, she basically yeah. killed Tuvix. And I'm like, God, you know, I can't, I can't argue against that. Like, I, 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 it's hard for me to say that I would have acted differently, but still, like, that's just that that introduces some ambiguity there for yeah. me. Well, but I mean, didn't Tuvix kill both Tuvok and Felix or Neelix? Neelix, yes, yeah. it, it was a combination of the two. Yeah, so I mean, so. it's it's one of those where there there's. Like you were saying, there's a lot of ambiguity on there because it's like you can bring them back, but you are getting rid of a, a thing. And it makes for great discussions. That's what exactly. Trek is good yep. for. And that's what I love about Star Trek is, you know, especially in the original series, I know, um, and a bit in the next gen and DS9 and Voyager, they did bring a lot of these kind of questions to the front. You know, Maddie, you talked about Measure of a Man. Scott, I know you know this the episode name, but the one where they had the two two people, one had like black on one side. Let this be your last battlefield. Yeah, that one, um, which tackled the idea of racism. Um, and so pokes fun at it and talks about it seriously <laughs> at the same time. Because yes. they're going, well, we're different. And they go, you're black on one side and white on the other. Oh, he's black on this side and I'm black on that side. So there. <laughs> and just pointing out, it's like, yeah, that totally shows how what an incredibly stupid argument that is. <laughs> oh, yes. So what is everyone's favorite episode? Oh, my God. Do we have three hours? Yeah, that's, that's really <laughs> tough because I, I classify it by series and sometimes even go down to seasons because. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, that, well, see, okay. you know, keep in mind, some of us are hardcore. I, well, in different categories too, because <laughs> okay, there's like true. there's my favorite episode of social commentary. There's yep. my favorite episode of like just sort of like awesome sci fi ness, and there's my favorite character development episodes. <laughs> there's different and categories. There's ones you just put in for just plain fun. Oh yeah, okay. absolutely. So, which one would you say is your favorite for social commentary? Oh, that's <sighs> so tough um, because there's a good ones, but I look at. You know, the dark, really as far as dark is um, in the pale moonlight from uh, Deep Space Nine. Oh my God, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> and that one talks about, you know, you're talking about really tough ethical and moral decisions here where they're in the middle of a war. They're kind of not quite winning, but they're not quite losing and they need to get more help. So how do you bring in a side that doesn't really want to join you, you know, when they're, you've ethically asked them questions? And so... You employ the guy who who d- looks upon human ethics as as annoyances, and help have them do that. So the interaction between Cisco and Garak that entire episode is just wonderful stuff. Talking about how to be involved in that kind of thing. Oh yes, all right. Well, we are going to have to actually go to the break. Sorry about that. We'll pick this up in just a moment with Maddie and Scott here in studio and Callie on Skype. I'm Hertzie Hertz. You're listening to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome. 
Welcome back to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. You're tuned in to Atheist Talk, and I'm your host, Hertzy Hertz. I'm in studio talking to today's guests, Maddie Love and Scott Lohman, and on the Skype with Callie Wright. Before we get back, however, I want to remind everyone listening live that immediately following this program, you can listen to American Atheist Viewpoint, an official production of American Atheists. Please note, you can always catch American Atheist Viewpoint by, by subscribing to the podcast version in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or the podcast player of your choice. As for the here and now, if you'd like to get involved in the conversation with Maddie, Scott, and Nikali, you can call us at 952-946-6205, email us at radio at, at org, or tweet us at, at Atheist Talk. Maddie, Scott, Kelly, welcome back. Thank you. Hey, hey. All right. So we were talking about our favorite uh, social commentary episode. <laughs> and we had the, I believe you said, In the Pale Moonlight. Oh, yeah, from uh, Deep yes. Space Nine. All right. So then what is your favorite just kind of for fun episode? Oh, hang on. There's so much more to say yep. about oh, okay. In the Pale Moonlight. Okay, yep. we'll go back. We'll go back. Okay, so uh, for context, this is they're they're deep in the war. Like Scott was saying, they're deep in the war. Things aren't going so well. They're not like on the cusp of defeat, but they can definitely see things turning that way. And they're like, okay, we need a new ally, and we think that our enemy is pro. So the Romulans have signed this non-aggression pact, which means that they're not allies, but they're not enemies. They're just not going to get involved, right? And they're convinced because of the Dominion, who the Dominion is. They're gonna like they're going to betray you at some point. It's just a matter of time. Which makes but sense. like right. But mm-hmm. like if there's proof of that, it's buried forever away and we'll never get to it. But like we have to have them as an ally, right? So they hatched this plan to bring the Romulans into the war by just trying to convince them. And when convincing them doesn't work, it's like, okay, you know what? We're gonna lie to them. And and it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Everything that we know about the Federation says that's not what we do, right? We hold to our ideals, honesty, integrity. Uh, you know, the first duty of every Starfleet officer is to the truth, right? We learned that from Captain Picard. But we have Captain Sisko who was like, okay, but if we hold to that, we can lose literally everything. Like we can lose the Federation itself. And so the question is, do you compromise your morality when your very existence is at stake? And of course the answer is yes. But that's a really tough reality to confront, right? And so, I mean, spoiler alert, it's 25 years. If you haven't seen it, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like, <laughs> this, I should have put that at the beginning of you the have, episode. <laughs> uh, you have a Starfleet officer who ends up complicit in the assassination of a Romulan official to bring the Romulans into the war. And, and at the end of the episode, basically the impact line is, you know what? I can live with that. Yep. And it's just like, wow, like it's so like it, it it's very Star Trek, right? And yep. that it, it explores these really tough questions, but it's also not Star Trek because that's very not utopian. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think DS9 uh, did a great job of like, you know, just kind of piercing that utopian veil a little bit, which was kind that's, of good. It did, a, yes, did that, that wonderfully. Right. And that's what's what I like about Deep Space Nine. And uh, what's really cool is within the next year or so, I'm not sure the exact date, there'll be a documentary coming out that's being produced by Iris Stephen Bear, who was the writing producer for Deep Space Nine its entire run. He's the one that helped us sort of refigure the Ferengi into more of a humorous sort of nemesis, as opposed to they originally were going to replace like the Klingons and the Romulans as being nasty. And their first appearance was, shall we say, not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I remember that episode. 
Yep. <laughs> the rest of the episode was really good. That was you know during first season next gen, and the, the the pilot was good. The first episode out was iffy. The second episode out was extremely iffy, and then we got to the last outpost, which was that one. It's like. Okay, without the Ferengi, everything else in this episode is really good stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Th- that little energy whip thing is total. That's total awesome, right? It was really cool, but that was pretty much the only time they used it. So Yeah, I, I don't think I ever saw it again. Except except yeah. the uh, the Marauder Mo action figures and DS9 had them, if well, you they, noticed. Oh, yeah. When they're at when they're at uh, when they're at Quark and Rom's mom's house, they have yep. Marauder Mo action figures, and Marauder Mo has a light has a, a light whip in that's his hand. Awesome. The action figure does; it's great. Oh my god, yep. that's adorable. Yeah, they had such fun in the background. <laughs> oh, so I'm going to go just to the tech for a little moment because Star Trek was, you know, very in its own ways, very forward thinking about you know what kind of tech and stuff. Sometimes, sometimes with interesting reasons. Um, but what tech do you desperately want to be real, Callie? Oh, warp drive. Yeah. Uh, well, warp drive or um, the holodeck slash replicators because they're kind of the Ooh. same thing. Yeah, I, I, um, I have to go with replicators. Oh, sorry, Kelly, yeah. I interrupted. I, no, you're okay. You're okay. Um, I, I've I had a deep philosophical discussion about transporters, and I think I'm I think I'm terrified of transporting. So, um, so I'm I'm gonna say like you know if that were, if that one happens, cool. Probably not gonna be my thing. Um, but yeah, like replicator slash holodex or warp drive. Yep, warp drive to get us out of here. Uh, Kelly, I'm gonna <laughs> right. start, yep. Kelly, I'm going to start calling you Bones. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> <the> or Barkley. <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. There we go. Yep. <laughs> I like the idea of replicators almost more than warp drive, but I'm also seeing the downside if you can replicate. Like, I'm looking at it from replicating food and replicating stuff for housing and basic needs, and then I'm also thinking, yeah, but replication of weapons, <laughs> replication of yeah, instruments right. of war, and like, oh. I mean, there is that, but one of the one of the big things that I love about replicators is that it takes the things that we don't need anymore and t- breaks it down to its molecular mm-hmm. and I think atomic structure and rebuilds it. And so, I mean, think of all the waste that we have and imagine it being all gone. Oh, I think and I, I think I still go with replicators. Oh, yeah. I just it's one of those like I'm only thinking of the good, but yeah. there is probably a bad side oh. somewhere too. Well, I mean, and there's absolutely, and there's not great stuff about warp drive too. Right, I mean, there. But the the trick is, is that it then gives us an escape valve because right now leaving the solar system is going to take hundreds of years on the lucky side, and we need technology that would be able to work that long. <laughs> much less still be useful at the end of that time period in order to even get a couple of people out of our star system. That is true. So we're going to we're going to go back to well well the whole thing is Star Trek but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have this list of like kind of questions thing I know you know it's like this is very friendly discussion so but Maddie has this awesome question um what was you know I think Callie you and I think we both grew, grew up with it Scott I don't know how old you were when you first watched it. I was in my – I was not one, well, not even 10. Okay, cool. So great. We all got answers for this. Um, Star Trek as a child, like what was your first experiences with the show? Callie? Okay, so the first time I saw Star Trek was in the run-up to the season four premiere, which was part two of The Best of Both Worlds and uh, – of, of Next Gen. Yeah. And so there was a Star Trek marathon that was like – 
you know, a best of of all the episodes leading up to this. And then it played part one of Best of Both Worlds and then part two. And so that was my introduction. Like, I just happened to be at my grandma's house watching TV randomly. She didn't have cable. She just had broadcast TV. So it was just like, oh, there's spaceships and aliens. This is kind of interesting. And I watched it. And so, like, I was immediately hooked as a kid on that. And then not too long after that, I saw the episode The Outcast. Which is, uh, which is this episode that has great commentary on gender and sexuality. And uh, as a kid, knowing on whatever level I knew that I was trans, like that spoke to me because it's like, oh, this – Aside from being sort of a curiosity, this is not a big deal to the people on the Enterprise. And that started started to give me the idea like, oh, the world of Star Trek is a world in which like it's it's not only okay to be different, but in a lot of ways it's cool to be different. And like I know I'm different. And so like this is a world that I can exist happily in. And 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 so that was that was the initial draw for me. So it was a very much a mix of all of that plus spaceships and aliens. All right. Well, you will have to join back after the break so that we can hear Scott and I's first experiences of Star Trek. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to American Atheist on AM 950 KTNF. I'm your host, Hertzy Hertz, and we are having what I would classify as a fascinating conversation with Maddie Love, Scott Lohman, and Callie Wright. Before we continue this conversation, which will be our final segment with Maddie, Scott, and Callie, there's a bit of housekeeping I need to attend to. Atheist Talk is produced with funding from the Minnesota Atheist and Cucumbers Restaurant in Edina, Minnesota. Please consider visiting our sponsors, and if you do, let them know that you appreciate their support of Atheist Talk. If you'd like to advertise on this program and keep us on the air, please contact us at radio at mnatheist.org. I also want to note the group of dedicated volunteers, including the two in the studio with me, and the generous donations of you, our listeners. You keep Atheist Talk on the air and in podcast form. I also want to note our donors of the week, which is all of you, because you are all awesome. And if you're able to help with a donation, please consider doing so at our Radio Fund page or at our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash atheist talk. Minnesota Atheist is a 501c3 tax deductible organization, and we couldn't do the show without you, and we deeply appreciate your support. Music for Minnesota Atheist is by composer and member Brent Michael Davison, is used with permission. Please note all opinions are of the guests and hosts only and do not necessarily reflect those of Minnesota Atheist's organization. As always, check out the Minnesota Atheist website for podcasts of previous programs. You can browse articles, book reviews, and peruse a calendar of upcoming events. You can also sign up for the American Atheist Weekly email. The Atheist Weekly email, and which will give you links to upcoming events. It's a great way to stay connected in the community. If you enjoy this show and all that Minnesota Atheist has to offer, consider becoming a member of Minnesota Atheist while you're on the website. Membership has some great perks. Check out the website for the how and why. With all this relevant and very useful information out of the way, let's get back to Star Trek. And I want to make one comment to Callie about about the Outcast is Uh-oh. that Jonathan Frakes actually was a little annoyed that they they cast the other character as female rather than a male. I know. He and wanted that to is do that my to, favorite things. to make it an even stronger point on that. He would that didn't that didn't scare him at all doing it that way. He was actually annoyed that they did it that way. I love that man yeah. even more now. I know. I'm just like <laughs> yeah. like I, I fully admit I had a crush on Jonathan Frakes when I was a kid because I started Star Trek when I was four years old. <laughs> and it's one of those I was like it's like I see him now and he's like, Oh, that's nice that he's doing stuff. Now it's like, Oh, okay, he's cute again. <laughs> 
Oh, he, yeah, he, I read I read that a long time ago, and I actually had the chance to meet him very briefly at a convention, and I wanted to thank him for that. And uh, I opened my mouth to start talking, and instead just started crying and just squeaked out "thank you" and walked away. So uh, yeah, <laughs> that's adorable. <laughs> yes, I was gonna say that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, and he's also yeah. signed to direct a couple more episodes of Discovery. So nice. Yeah, they 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 said it was quite fun when he was on dis- directing the episode he did on Discovery because they were they're such new kids on the block. They were having fun. Talking to us, they put it to one of the gods of Star Trek. <laughs> anyway, we've got to move on. We got lots to yes. cover in no time. Yes. All right. So we were talking about first experiences, and Callie, you gave yours. So Scott. Yeah, mine goes back to um, watching it on the uh, when the original series was on the air. I cannot remember what was my first episode on that because it would have been catching it probably before it would, would have had to have been second season. Um, and before it got moved to, to Friday nights at nine, which is the death slot for for season three, because that's when all their target arguments, audience was wandering off. But most part, I remember being able to watch it uh, daily on early syndication. And um, so it was just nice to catch that. Although my, my fun story with syndication is while I got to know the series, I can, got to know it so well. I could identify the original cuts as opposed to the remastered versions. Uh, within 10 seconds, I would know which episode it was, and that just annoys my mother <laughs> no end <laughs> on that part. But uh, that's how good I am with the original series on that part. So, But there was also a scene I never saw until the, the episodes were released on videotape, and this is from um, Shore Leave, and it's the sequence with the rabbit. I never, that was always oh, yeah. cut from syndication to add more commercial time during that. And I never saw the rabbit. So I said, they just refer to the damn rabbit because you didn't see any pictures. But then it's like, oh, it's actually there. This is cool. I finally see it. Maddie, do you have a an introduction story? My very first Star Trek uh, experience caused me to not want to watch it for a long time Aww. because I was very young and my parents, I was staying up late and I was watching the uh, episode or the second movie, Wrath of Khan. And ah. when they were, it was just the beginning where they're pulling the, uh, the stuff, I don't remember what they're called now. The uh, steady eels. Yeah. And putting them in their ear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I got in trouble because I like screamed really loud, <laughs> ran it, and then I couldn't like step over. I, that's what I when we were like monsters yep. under the bed as kids. It was those that were under my bed. Of course, yep, oh. yep, because they're they're scary monsters. So to I begin didn't with. watch Star Trek again until Next Generation. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. Uh, yeah, I saw Wrath of Khan on, on widescreen. So that scene still creeps me out. I yep. can't. I like close my eyes. Okay, so. as I already went through mine. I was four years old and got to watch. Encounter at Farpoint. So, um, so here's an interesting because Star Trek. I mean, it's it's in a sense coming back with J.J. Abrams and the Discovery and such. But J.J. Abrams definitely seemed to take the Star Trek almost. It seems in a different way. Like there, there doesn't seem to be the story bite. It wasn't. And then I'm going to bring in Star Trek's worst enemy here, Star Wars, which seems to actually have taken up that bite. How do you guys feel about that? That interesting potential change. I'm not talking discovery, just the J.J. Abrams. Yeah, that you know is is nice, but what because they they did have it in there, but it's so quick, you know, because Captain Pike is talking to the young Kirk and going, "Well, you know what Starfleet's about, you know, so humanitarian doing this," and it's like then they're off back on adventure because they're looking at more. Um, we saw it actually a little more in Star Trek Beyond because then uh, Simon Pegg. Uh, did the script on that one, and we got to see a little more of uh, of Star Trek's philosophy and that showing up in that. But 
to me, the the thing I appreciate for the Abrams ones is that it reinvigorated interest in the entire franchise. Because yep. when that movie opened, it made $200 million before the end of July when it opened in May. And my wife and I go to bookstores as, as dates because, you know, we like books. And so after uh, the, um, the, that one premiered, the, the half-price stores would not, did not have any of the Star Trek films on the shelf when we'd show up. And they didn't start showing back up on the shelves until August of that summer. So to me, that movie did what I wanted it to do was to reshow that Star Trek at that point at about the ripe old age of 47 was not going to fade into the darkness. And they did it with the original characters and showing that, yes, they can bring that part of the franchise back to life without even starting a new set of characters like we're seeing in Discovery and showing that, yes, there's still life in the concept. Callie? Yeah, a lot of a lot of really hardcore Star Trek fans do not like the J.J. Abrams movies, and I can't even necessarily argue with them and tell them that they're wrong. I did enjoy the J.J. Abrams movies. I don't like them for the same reasons I like other Star Trek. Like they're very much more just like, hey, we're spaceships and aliens and space battles and future and sci-fi, and like there's a lot less of yep. like what I actually like about Star Trek in there. But that doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just I, I don't like it for the same reasons. Um, so yeah, I, when people say I hate them, I'm like, yeah, I understand why I just, I just don't hate them. Yeah. It, for me, it's like, it, it's great eye candy. I do agree. You know, it did re- reinvigorate that idea of Star Trek and such, but it, I, I just find it interesting that it's like, you know, Star Wars has kind of taken that, that controversial edge in some ways, or at least that's the one that everyone's, you know, yelling about when it comes to, you know, trying to be progressive. No. And so we're yelling about, you can't transport to another planet. Yeah, well, well there's, I think, there's a lot of things to discuss. That's a that's a whole other three shows if people want to get deep into the weeds on I that know, one. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, we only have like five minutes left right now. Yes, um, Kel- Kelly, would you be okay with doing some some extra content after this? Sure. Awesome. Was that a tease for anybody listening right now that they that, should become a patron? That is a tease. <laughs> you get extra content, and sometimes we geek, and sometimes we don't. Yeah. Uh, so real quick, we should probably hit a little bit on the fact that Star Trek really doesn't have a whole lot of religion in it. And Kelly, did that ever affect like your your put like being an atheist at any point? Ish. So I remember thinking as a kid, there's that episode of Next Gen Evolution where uh, Barkley has that genetic defect that yes. like ends up with everyone de-evolving. And I remember episodes? as a kid, when I, when I watched that episode, I was still a Christian and I was thinking like, oh, this is cute, but they're going to feel real silly when they figure out evolution's not real. <laughs> and then... <laughs> and <laughs> um, but but there, was, there was definitely an element of... Uh, you know, like in Who Watches the Watchers, where uh, Picard calls uh, leaving religion behind an achievement. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. What are they trying to say here? And like, th- that is kind of part of what made me think about getting getting past all of that. Well, yeah. w- one thing anyways. Yeah. And the original series, Roddenberry deliberately did not put a chaplain on the Enterprise. He was asked and he fought that. And so you can see his his opinions on religion even showing up as in the original series with um, Return of the Archons, looking at um, the Apple, um, basically using computers as stand-in for God at a lot of point for humans doing that. And the, going back to Star Trek, the animated series on that uh, episode, um, How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth is basically there's a really powerful being who happens to resemble the god Quetzalcoatl. And he's shown up back in, in Star Trek's times going, why didn't you guys tell me to come back? 
And basically at this point, they're saying, sorry, we don't need you. We've managed to grow up all by ourselves. And there's an annoying reference to religion in Voyager when in the episode uh, Sacred Ground where Kess gets like knocked out and almost killed by this energy field. Actually, and, it's Neelix. And... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Nerd fight. And we love it. <laughs> Scott, you got to put your finger in your glasses when you do that. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Um. Well, and, and Janeway has to go on this quest uh, to – to you know, meet and like convene with the gods to to I try and plead her case. Yeah, yeah, you are because okay. it's <laughs> um, Oh, there's a ooh. different one where Neelix dies and comes back. Oh. I'm mixing the two up. Yeah, Scott, for yeah. shame. Yeah. So um, and, and so basically, uh, Janeway has this moment where she's like, "Oh my gosh, maybe their gods are real," and she just like gives herself into faith, and then she gets back to Voyager after it's all over with, and everybody's giving her like, "Oh, here's the scientific explanation for what happens," and Janeway's like, "Oh yeah, that's super logical, but like it was probably just their gods," and I was like, "No, like that's not who you are," like, and I, like I get what they were trying to do, but. That's actually that's one of the points with DS9 that that always was a little odd for me is like cuz in the first in the first episode of DS9 they kind of explain where the prophets are and then and they come back and everyone on Bajor is kind of like oh no we still believe they're gods I'm looking going but but you have the thing how does this ah well and with the well, Q continuum like what does what yeah. does like, any god that in any religion do that Q can't do or that the continuum can't do I would say have yeah. empathy, but, you know, the Christian God really doesn't have that either. <laughs> which well, then gets to one of my favorite Voyager episodes, with the, which is Death Witch, which is when oh, – yeah. what, what goes on when an immortal creature wants to die. Oh, yeah. And it's a great discussion about the afterlife where they use a gas station on a road in the desert <laughs> and they, they talk about the afterlife. And it's like, oh, that's such a, a wonderful metaphor on that because they talk about, well, you can go down to the, that end of the road and to that end of the road, or you can even be the scarecrow, which they had one of those on there. So, you know, talking about that, it just goes on forever and it's all boring. And unfortunately, now we're out of time. Oh, well, we got 45 seconds. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Scott, Callie, and Maddie for joining us. Um, we will definitely have an extended episode for anyone who's on Patreon. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Only a dollar an episode. Oh, yes. Um, but I am proud to be on the air with Minnesota Atheists, and I hope that you enjoyed the show. The show depends on your generous support of members, our sponsors, and our donors, and our volunteers. Please consider supporting the show through the donation link. And this has been Atheist Talk on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Minnesota.